So we're in this sermon series on uh, this thing called the kingdom of God, which is kind of a big deal in the Gospels. It's kind of the biggest deal in the Gospel. When Jesus showed up, he announced his ministry by saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand. He, when he taught us to pray, he said, I pray, uh, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That was like the, the, the top priority of, of his intercessory life, his prayer life, and the signature of his ministry. So the first week we talked about kind of defining what this kingdom of heaven on earth is. And the way I like to describe it is it's the order of heaven brought to earth by those of us who follow the Lord. So, uh, you know, in, in heaven, nobody is ignorant of the love and character of God. And so those of us who are able to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth bring people into loving relationship, knowledge of God's love and character. Um, nobody uh, in heaven is sick. Uh, so those of us who manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth are literally able to cure sickness. And of course, you see that throughout Jesus's ministry. You see that among the ministries of Jesus's followers in scripture. It's been part of the ministry of Jesus's followers through the ages. There's no demonic oppression in heaven. So those of us who manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth uh, cause demons to flee, which really helps people uh, when they're trying to live orderly lives and healthy and, and, and clear-minded lives. Uh, nobody in heaven, thanks buddy, nobody in heaven um, is lacking anything, right? And Jesus talked a lot about this. He said, look, you know, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Your heavenly father is going to take care of you. And if necessary, Jesus could feed a crowd of thousands of people with one little boy's sack lunch, right? Five loaves and a couple little fish. And, and he would multiply that because even if you have to do miracles of provision in the kingdom of heaven, what you have is always enough. A kingdom principle. So we could go on. Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom of heaven. He manifested it. And that's one of the things that made his life and ministry really, really unique. So that was week one. And then in week two, last week, we talked about you know, the question, well, look, if you want to manifest, if you want to demonstrate uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth in the world around you, well, how do you go about doing that? You know, what, what are some important principles for us to do that in the world around us? And we examine the story of when Jesus went to his hometown, and because people in his hometown did not cooperate with him, took offense at him, uh, manifested criticism and doubt and offense instead of faith and willingness, it stopped Jesus cold. He couldn't do any miracles there, which is just stunning. Just stunning that Jesus himself could not bring the order of heaven to earth when people oppose the order of heaven. So God has made the kingdom of heaven on earth really vulnerable to us. We can snuff it out like that. We could snuff it out with a reluctant attitude. We could snuff it out with a little bit of criticism with a little bit of doubt, a little bit of fear, a little bit of humanity <laughs> getting in the way. And if Jesus himself were here, he couldn't do any miracles in our lives if we brought him a lack of faith and a spirit of offense and criticism and reluctance and apathy or whatever else, right? Which is just astonishing. Well, okay, so that's scary. How then do you avoid that and spread the kingdom of heaven on earth? And what we talked about was looking for hot spots. Remember that word, those of you who were here last week? It's like immediately after his bad hometown experience, Jesus sent his disciples out without him 
And he said, go to a village and preach the kingdom of heaven is near and do a bunch of miracles. And if they don't accept you, get the heck out of town and shake the dust off your feet as you go. In other words, you're looking for places where there are little sparks of faith, right? Little sparks of faith, because when you find one, then you can turn it into a bonfire of faith. But what you need to find is hot spots, people who are into it, yep. right? Or, or, or the person who's into it. Jesus said, when you show up in a village, you know, and somebody takes you into their home, stay there, because you found a little faith, and you want to hold on to that. And from there, you can build something. So the challenge for us is to be hot spots, right? And to make Blue Water a hot spot and to come into this celebration of kingdom ministry, which is really what church is, every week hot rather than cold and slow-footed and apathetic and reluctant and critical and, and, and whatever else uh, we might be tempted to do uh, on a Sunday morning. All right, so that's how you manifest, or at least a tip, for how you manifest the kingdom of heaven in the world around us. We following so far? Everybody clap once. Here's a warm-up question today. Crack your neck, massage your earlobes, get the blood flowing. Okay, so that's kind of how you, how you get the kingdom of heaven moving in the world around you. How do you get the kingdom of heaven moving in you? How do you grow the kingdom in your own life? How do you really get it going in your life? I will give you eight seconds to be brilliant. Go. All right, answers. Be around great people who can mentor your life. Be around great people can mentor your life. Yeah, be around hot spots. Yes. Yeah, and that's a good way to become a hot spot. Excellent. I like that. I like that. You're... Stick around, Laverne. Yeah, Clark. Be well, take care of yourself. Be well. All right, so which, there's a poignant phrase, right? Like, be well, take care of yourself. And then, of course, we could unpack that more. But the basic idea is, well, if you were a healthy person, understood broadly, that probably helps you to grow in the, kingdom, the order of the kingdom of heaven, which is a healthy order, right? So yeah, that's kind of good basic wisdom. What else? Be intentional in cultivating spiritual disciplines in your life. It's the reason she leads prayer ministry. It's, and even just the way she said that, like, it's like, yeah. Be intentional about cultivating spiritual disciplines in your life. An example of a spiritual discipline would be prayer. All right. I, I, was, I was setting you up for recruitment. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines, because discipline is the virtue that unlocks all other virtues. And um, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one more. It's got a good answer. John. I think you, how did you really grow it by sticking around? Sticking around and choosing to gather, says the pioneer of our community houses. Yeah, it's like everybody's, everybody's answering to type this morning. I, really, I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, because, uh, well, I mean, we say so much about community, and we could say so much about gathering, but if you drop out of the assembly, if you drop out of gathering, if you drop out of community, yeah, you're, you're, you're a sitting duck. It's like a goose dropping out of formation in the sky. Suddenly that goose falls behind, right? So 
Don't be a slow goose. Say it to your neighbor. Nalani has one. She just has to share. Go, Nalani. Experiencing the kingdom life helps the kingdom life to grow in you. So what would be an example of like experiencing kingdom life? What are you thinking? Holy Spirit speaking, like, so, yeah, hear the voice of God, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, feel the presence of the Spirit, and, and that creates momentum and, and uh, some uh, growth in your own life. Yeah, have a kingdom experience. You guys just have too many good answers. All right, Mike, you're the last, so, so make it the best. Be crappy. Be crappy. All right, well, well, we'll unpack that phrase in a minute. That it comes from our Ohana Group's discussion on Wednesday. We like to invent snarky phrases at my Ohana group. I don't know where they get their snarkiness and sarcasm at my Ohana group. It's, it's certainly not the leadership. Um, um, I was thinking uh, this week uh, about this sermon, uh, about, well, how do you get the kingdom to grow in you? And I was thinking about a real, deterring, a real turning point in my walk with Jesus and my personal discipleship came. Like the first time I really became part of a fellowship, part of a gathering, as John would say, in a consistent way, and that was in college. I was in one place for, uh, for several years and had Christian brothers and sisters. I became part of a really good fellowship, eventually became part of a good church. Um, and I remember distinctly this moment. It was, it was kind of the beginning of my sophomore year in college, and I realized as I was trying to follow Jesus with these people and all this influence, this good positive Christian influence, I realized that I was going to have to minister for the rest of my life. I didn't necessarily plan to like plant and run churches, mind you. That's not what I meant. But it's like for the rest of my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to promote this kingdom of God thing to everyone around me. Like this is like, this is going to be the main thing I do, it occurred to me. Right? I, I don't know how I'm going to make my living. I don't know where I'm going to live or anything like that. But, but it just, I, I just knew it in my bones. It's like, this is the main thing I'm going to do. And I couldn't recall making that decision. But I just knew it was true for me. And then I, I sat and I unpacked it a little bit. I thought, well, I made the decision to follow Jesus. I want to get to heaven. I want to be a good Christian. And now suddenly, I feel like I have to minister the kingdom. Like, that's the way to be a disciple, right? I realized there was no difference between being a follower of Jesus and being a minister of Jesus. Does that make sense? Right? I realized that if I wanted to grow and get really buff in the kingdom of God, I was going to spend my life trying to give away and promote the kingdom of God. And I had been gathered into a discipleship community, but it occurred to me then, when I was 19 years old, I've been gathered into a ministry community. Right? And then suddenly I started reading the Gospels differently. But I realized that rather than just learning the Bible and learning how to apply the Bible, what I was going to do is I was going to learn how to get others to apply the Bible, which required me to really apply the Bible more than I would otherwise, right? Rather than just me getting strong, I was helping others to become strong. 
which required that I get very strong indeed, right? You see how that works? Like to be, a, to be a player in a game, you have to know it pretty well. To coach players in the game, you have to know it really, really well and hopefully have more experience uh, than, than they have. I need to get exceptionally strong in love and generosity and wisdom and power if I was going to make others strong in it. So what do you think? Is it true that in order to grow the kingdom in yourself or to survive in the kingdom yourself, that we need to impart the kingdom to others? Do you think that's true? Do you think that's the way? Yeah? Um, let, me, let me put a, a, a little... A little edge on it. Okay. Let's say you're having a terrible time in life. Let's say you're burned out and you're exhausted. Should you minister your way out of that exhaustion? Yeah. Or should you retreat? No. <laughs> I have like six opinions in the front row <laughs> and there are six people. All right, let's read uh, what I think is a very uh, familiar passage uh, to you if you've been hanging around the church for any length of time. Uh, Mark chapter 4, it's the parable of the sower or the parable of the uh, soils, it's sometimes called. So you can turn to Mark chapter 4 in your Bibles. If you're a real Christian, you have a real Bible. If you're a casual Christian, you have a smartphone Bible. And if you barely made it to church today, you can read um, the big board behind me. There's grace, yes, there's grace, there's grace. Okay, uh, so what I want to do is read Mark 4, 1 through, ultimately 1 through 24. I'll start with 1 through 20, which is the parable itself. It goes pretty fast. Uh, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. This is why all pastors should have boats. He taught them many things by parables, right, which is a style of teaching. Uh, it was uh, an illustration, a metaphor that caused people to think and question. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, uh, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. They got choked out. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And this was very Jesus style. He, like, he gives this illustration and then says, there, understand that if you can. Which is kind of how I preach. It's like, I don't know if you get it, let me know. Um, and when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. 
otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. That's a bad translation. Uh, literally in the Greek it means they may be ever hearing but never understanding. Were it not this way, uh, they would turn and be forgiven. That's kind of how that's supposed to be. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? I love the way he gets frustrated with them. Um, the farmer sows the word. So the seed is the word, the message of the kingdom. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away uh, what, uh, that the, word, the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. So there's full acceptance. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They've got no staying power. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So he deciphers the parable for them. Um, so how many of you have studied this parable before, read it, have gone through it? And there's so many different ways to go through it. What I want to do is just offer a couple quick reflections on this parable as it pertains to the kingdom of God growing in us individually, okay? Obviously, there are, Jesus is talking about, you know, the word that's out there, which is, like, he doesn't mean the printed word, the Bible, he means the message of the kingdom, like this whole thing that he's teaching and demonstrating, that's the word of God, that's the spoken, creative word of God. Do you receive it well, and does it grow in you or not? And he's describing four types of people, and he's using four types of soil uh, to do this, right? It's like, well, you got, first you got the hard soil by the path, and, you know, the kingdom doesn't, the message of the kingdom doesn't even penetrate in your life. I mean, it just bounces right off of you. You don't even notice, right? And then he's talking about shallow soil, um, which is like, you hear the word and actually accept it, actually receive it, Right? And, and, it, and it sort of starts to grow, but as soon as there's any turbulence, you get wiped out. Right? And then there's soil, which is like, well, it seems really good. It's so good, and it's so open, and it's so enthusiastic that the good things grow, but so do the bad things, <laughs> the weeds. You know? And then there's a competition, and your life loses the competition. You get choked out by competing interests, you know, the pressures of work, the pressures of schedule, the pressures of, of I don't know, politics or whatever else is going on, you know, the fear of, of, uh, of disease and death. We've had so much of that in culture, that sort of thing. And then finally, there's this good soil. Uh, and what defines the good soil? It makes stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the kingdom grows in the good soil, right? The, the soil doesn't just receive it. Soil does what soil does, right? It engenders growth, and, and the kingdom becomes fruitful in your life, and it produces a crop. And obviously, we want to be good soil, which means that we want to produce a crop. How easy it is, how easy is it to receive the kingdom of God into your life? 
Easy. Pretty much every soil can receive the kingdom of God. How easy is it to grow the kingdom in your life? Well, it's at least like four to one against you, <laughs> according to this parable, right? Um, it's much, much harder. That's what's challenging, right? Challenging is not thinking, oh, the kingdom is a pretty good deal. Challenging is producing a crop with it. And Jesus says that producing a crop is, is actually the only way for the word, for the kingdom message to survive in you. We want to be good soil. You're good soil when you produce stuff with what you receive from God. You receive the kingdom and you produce a kingdom harvest, a kingdom crop. Now we could talk about what that is. What does it mean to produce a kingdom crop? But that's the goal. Growth is the goal. Okay? And if you don't grow, according to Jesus' illustration, you don't even survive. Right? The seed doesn't even survive in you. And think about it. You know, if, if, if any given plant stops growing, that plant is dead. <laughs> right? Plants grow or they are dead. And Jesus is saying, well, it's true uh, with humans as well. Right? You're either growing in the kingdom, either you're producing, you're productive, you're fruitful, or, uh, or you're wiped out. I mean, those seem to be the two choices. So is Jesus saying that to grow in the kingdom, we need to minister the kingdom? Is that what he's saying? I think so. It kind of sounds like that. But just to be clear, let's read the next, through, the next few verses, because this is what he says immediately after that parable. Uh, this, uh, this also is famous teaching, a famous teaching of his, and you might not have realized where he locates it, that right after talking about how important it is to be kingdom productive, he said, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? What's a lamp for? <laughs> a lamp is for broadcasting, right? It's for illuminating the whole area. For whatever is hidden, whatever you've got tucked away, is meant to be disclosed. That's the whole point, right? The whole point is to get it out there. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought in the open, right? We don't have spiritual safe deposit boxes, right? If we get a treasure, we put that sucker on display. We do everything we can with it. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, though, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and, and even, even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. In other words, there's no stasis, there's no, there's no neutral. There's either hit or strike out. There's, there's nothing in between. You know, there's either big growth or there's death. There is no in between, he seems to be saying. Uh, the line that really does it for me in these verses is, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whatever you receive by way of the kingdom of God, whatever you receive by way of understanding of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, give it away. <laughs> use it big, receive big. Use big, get big. It's the ultimate use it or lose it teaching. 
what is the kingdom for in your life? Well, the kingdom is for influencing people. That's what it's for. And if you fail to influence people, which I think is a fair paraphrase of be productive, right? If you fail, then you die off. You get stuck. You become a zombie. Anybody feel like a spiritual zombie? You're just going through the motions? Anybody ever felt that sometimes? Well, if that's you, then the first question I will ask you is, who are you ministering to? Who are you influencing in a kingdom way? And the answer is probably, well, I know it's been hard. I'm taking a break. Oh, <laughs> meaning <laughs> you stopped breathing. No wonder you're uncomfortable. Are you following? following. Right? To those who have, more will be given. To those who have what? To those who have what, more will be given. Those who have faith, more will be given. Great answer. Do you think that's true? If you live out faith, do you grow in faith or do you die? <laughs> well, Jesus is saying you grow in faith. Now, what if you don't live in faith? What if you believe, but you don't exercise it? What if you believe things, but you never try them? What happens? Those who do not have, more will be taken away. If you don't exercise the muscle, it stays the same. No, if you don't exercise the muscle, it atrophies, it shrinks, it gets small, right? There is no stasis in this athletic event we call life, in this combative event we call spiritual life, right? You following? Um, so it could be faith, you could call it productivity. If you have productivity in your life, if you have, you know, real productivity, then you will become even more productive. Momentum begets more momentum begets more momentum. What about God's words? What about it? If we have God's word in us, we will always grow in the kingdom. I would probably say if we have God's word in us and follow it and use it, then we will always grow. If we simply know God's words and do nothing with them, then we'll actually shrink. That seems to be what Jesus is teaching. So we have to exercise. Use it or lose it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we say at Blue Water, faith is trying, right? You have, you have to try. And what is it we have to try? Well, we have to try to influence people. We have to minister, right? M ministry is the battle that you need in your life in order to survive life. Are you influencing people? Are you not influencing people toward Jesus? It's a very straightforward, basic question and very frightening because this parable is freaky, right? You know, you either grow or die. How about that for a church bumper sticker? <laughs> grow or die! <laughs> Blue water. <laughs> we have barbecues. Use it or lose it. You have to give to receive, right? You have to give to breathe. It's really easy to die it's really easy to die in kingdom terms. And the way you die is you stop ministering to people. 
That's the path to death, right? And it might not feel like death. It might feel like what Jesus describes. It might feel like just, you know, well, I mean, the sun is really hot. It's just, it's withering. Life is withering. What do you expect from me? Right? Or it might feel like getting choked out. I would minister, but I mean, look at these thorns. What am I going to do? I mean, God planted me in a thorn patch, so, you know, I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy to die, to let the kingdom die in you, isn't it? That's just so easy. Uh, my advice to seekers, like if you, if you are here and you haven't followed Jesus ever in your life, you don't even know what you think about this God stuff yet. My advice to you would be, uh, well, try to minister with us. You know, jump in. Uh, a couple iconic stories I have about this one, like I've shared before, I'm about my good friend uh, uh, Justin Wiley, who is like a founding member of Blue Water. When I first met Justin, he had some Christian experience, but he wasn't exactly living a Christian life, let's say. He was a student at UH, and he showed up uh, at, uh, before Blue Water started at this ministry we had called Nightlife, and started asking questions, and that was great. It's like, well, you know, is, does following Jesus mean this? Does following Jesus mean that? How do I know that this is true? And, and so uh, he, he and I both had some experience in Cuba, some travel experience, and I was on a, going on a mission trip to Cuba. So I said, why don't you come with me? So he went with me, just the two of us. We went to Cuba and did like this two-week missions trip where we'd go into a village where you know, it was kind of illegal to minister uh, back in those days in Cuba, and be like, all right, we're going to heal the sick. Go, Justin. <laughs> right? It's like, I, I don't want to converse with you anymore. Right? I want you to do this. He loved it. And, and he's never stopped. You know, never stopped. And he lives, he lives in Denver now with his beautiful wife, Amber. JoJo's been in Denver for a year. Gets to hang out with him. Lovely people. Just like the best people. Always productive. He's always on. You know, he's never stopped. That's how he came to really know the kingdom was by doing the kingdom. You know, the other iconic story I have is a small group that Sony and I led years ago in Boston. And we had this kid who was coming who had kind of grown up in a Christian home, wasn't really following Jesus. And his thing was he was a drug addict and he was addicted. Uh, well, he was addicted to sex, frankly. Every night he would go out to the gay bars and he would hook up every night, uh, usually with a stranger go home with a stranger or take a stranger home, but he had encountered Jesus and was kind of loving Jesus and when coming rather religiously to our small group at the apartment that Sonia and I had, and we were reading one night from the Gospel of John, a healing story, and I was like halfway through the story, and I remember him putting down the Bible and says, when you guys pray to heal people, it takes so long. And I read this, and when Jesus healed someone, he just said, be healed, and they were. Um, so what's wrong with you, basically, <laughs> what he's saying, says this, you know, this guy is like, I don't think you're even a Christian, you know, they don't criticize me, you know, but we had a guy there who had shown up that night, and he had terrible neuropathy in his leg, like ner constant nerve pain in his leg, he had some sort of injury, and he came to our small group because he heard that people got healed there, and the guy who had the nerve pain, the neuropathy, was a very conservative Christian. Right? So his risk was to come to a place where people expected God to actually show up and do stuff. Right? Because he didn't even know if that happened today. And then there was like my friend Chuck, whose risk was like being late to the gay bar to get his nightly pickup. You know? 
And so I was looking at these guys, and I said, you know, Chuck, you're right. Why don't you heal him? Right? And so Chuck was like, all right, I will. And so he gets up and he moves over. It was just a, a lovely moment because here's you had this guy. It was a completely unrepentant drug addict, super promiscuous gay bar dude, moving over toward the conservative Christian who was just scared to death. About it's like it's like a, what if it works, you know? It's like, and so Chuck said, "Be healed," and instantly healed. You know, and and then then that was a great conversation. You know, that was a great conversation because, you know, he, his entree into the kingdom was doing the kingdom, right? You see, right? And I, that's my favorite way to do evangelism. Oh, you don't know if God's real? Hmm. <laughs> well, let's do something. Why don't you travel with me 6,000 miles to see, you know? And if the person comes, well, that's already faith, right? If, if the person prays, that's already faith. We've already got a hot spot, right? It's, it's doing, uh, doing the kingdom. Um, but here's the key for us, right? If you want more of the kingdom in your life, minister. But don't just serve, right? Do it in a kingdom style. And please hear me when I say this, people. Do it in a kingdom way. Now, what do I mean by that? If you've been around Blue Water, maybe you have some intuition what I mean by that. What, what is the kingdom style of doing ministry? Well, you do it in an otherworldly fashion. You do it according to the order of heaven as opposed to the order of earth. It's really easy to serve people in an earthly way. And there's nothing at all wrong with it, right? A good earthly way to serve people would be, I don't know, I mean, simple social services. You know, it's like you take earthly wealth and you try to apply it on behalf of people who don't have much earthly wealth. Is that good? Well, that's a fantastic thing to do. But it won't necessarily make the kingdom grow in you because you can do that without heaven. Right? You're probably doing it because of heaven and don't know it. <laughs> but, you know, because you've been schooled by, by the word of the Lord, whether you realize it or not. But so there are ways to serve. You know, you can be nice which is super valuable. But it doesn't necessarily cause the kingdom to multiply in the world. So what you need to do is something that's a little bit heavenly and unusual. Right? What would that be? Well, the word I think about is the word supernatural. And we're going to unpack that word in a later sermon. You need to be supernatural, which is to say not natural. Right? Abnormal. That's what I mean. You know, and there's some things that are obviously supernatural. I mean, healing somebody's nerve pain is just by laying on a hand. Okay, well, that's unnatural, right? Uh, one might say impossible, but through unnatural power, it works. And so that's obviously a manifestation of the order of heaven. But, you know, there are other things that you could do that, is re that are really heavenly, unnatural. Uh, Jesus, when the rich young ruler asked, well, how do I get into the kingdom of God? Jesus said, well, for you, give away everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you can come follow me. Now, that was a very unnatural thing to do, right? For a rich person to give away everything he had would be otherworldly, right? It's a supernatural choice that defies the order of the world, 
I will unpack that a little bit in a later sermon, but do you get it? At least the flavor of it? Okay. Um, that's the signature of kingdom ministry. There are all sorts of great ways to serve the world. And I disparage none of them. But if you want to produce a kingdom harvest, do a kingdom service. Which is to say, do a service in a kingdom fashion. So, uh, the way we summed it up, uh, we were discussing this passage at my Ohana group on Wednesday. Uh, somebody, uh, probably Cammy, she's, she's wonderfully snarky. Uh, said, well, how would, you, how would you sum up this parable? Uh, you know, how do we want to be? And she said, oh, you, well, you want to be crappy. You want to have a crappy life. You get it? There's a little pun there. Do I need to unpack it for you? Right? You want to have a crappy life, otherwise you'll have a crappy life. Um, somebody once left the church because I said crappy in a sermon. Please don't leave the church. Um, you always want to produ be producing a crop. Right? You want to be a crappy person. You know, I want to look out there on Sunday morning and think, you're such a crappy person. Right? You want, you want to produce. Um, are you producing? It's a great time in life, and it's a great time in the world, and it's a great time in the arc of our church experience to ask that. We're doing a kingdom series that's going to sort of lead us to the all-church retreat on Labor Day, and we're going to have some really powerful kingdom manifestations there, I think. Um, but we're trying to really be a hot spot and to really get the kingdom of God moving. And um, it's a great time to ask yourself, is the kingdom growing in you? I mean, is the momentum surging in you? Are you a crappy person? If, if you don't feel that way, then my, my diagnosis is you haven't been ministering the kingdom. Because if you are ministering the kingdom, shoot, even if you're an unbeliever, momentum will get going in your life. I know that to be true. I know that to be true. I have seen it numerous times, more than I can count. And if you are not really ministering in a kingdom style, I can fix that for you. That's not a vain boast. Like, I've spent my life doing this. I 100% guarantee that I can fix that for you. If you want to move and minister in a kingdom way, this is not a problem for me. And I'm not the only one, right? There are a number of people at this church that could automatically fix it for you. Go to any number of the Ohana groups. Get your butt in gear and get there and say, I want to minister the kingdom tonight. And that will be great for you. And it might kick the Ohana group leader in the butt. It's like, yes, let's put down our snacks, quack, and minister the kingdom. <laughs> you know, that's what the groups are for. You know, so, so get to one. And we're going to start having more and more kingdom experiences. I promise you. Right? I'm, I, I, I have no doubt about this. So, so the question I'll leave you with is, are you ministry of the kingdom? Do you want to? I've told you how. Well, at least I've told you the next step to take. Um, so are you, are you into it? Um, you better be into it some way. Because if you're not, it's not going to go well for your spiritual life. I love you. It's not going to go well for your spiritual life. The thorns are growing. <laughs> it's not going to go well for you unless you start producing. That's the safe place. The safe place is producing.
I'll just give a minute for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Father, I pray that you would come and minister to your flock, to your sheep, to your sons, to your daughters. Jesus, take care of your brothers and sisters. I pray that you would make us a kingdom hotspot, and I pray that you would make these precious souls kingdom people so that their life would be safe, but that their life would be crappy, filled with productivity and faith. I pray that you would make each of us what we are supposed to be. Speak, Lord, because your servants are certainly listening. Go ahead and stand as we dismiss. Father God, I pray that you would perfect your agenda for every individual. I pray, Lord, as Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come and will be done in these lives, just as it is in heaven. I pray, Lord, that you would make us disciples, which is to say that you would make us kingdom ministers, salt and light to the world this week. We want to use it because we want more of it. In Jesus' name, everybody says,